Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, we are uh, in a break from our 2021 opponent previews to to do some um, talking CUSA, talking the state of the conference, talking uh, the state of the state in this particular podcast. But uh, before we move on, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, share the show with a friend, anything you can do to help us out on that front. Uh, Also remember that the Rice and CUSA season previews are for sale. Pick up your copy if you have not yet. You can also subscribe to uh, the Patreon for The Roost at patreon.com slash at The Roost uh, if you have not done so already. But joining us today is our pal Jahan J. Raja from Dave Campbell's Texas Football, uh, who is here to talk. Um, by the time you're listening to this, this might be old news, but uh, as we're recording, uh, we've just had the agenda upended slightly by some um, minor news coming out of the Big 12, I guess one could say. Or yeah. what's left of the Big 12. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, it's what a time. What a time. I know that this was inevitable. Actually, Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, made a joke uh, a little while back after media days and was like, yeah, this is the first time in years that I haven't been asked about expansion. I think I win $5 now. And uh, and of course, the this happens right after that, like literally a week after that <laughs> that opening speech. And yeah, I mean, for people who don't know, I mean, gosh, I, I feel like everybody has to know by this point. Uh, there, there's been conversations that Texas and Oklahoma have contacted the SEC about potentially joining. Now, that does not necessarily mean anything. Anything can still happen. Uh, you know, they, hell, at one point we were talking about Texas and Oklahoma having conversations with the Pac-10 at the time. And guess what? They're still in the Big 12. So a lot of stuff still needs to happen. But, I mean, again, this this day was inevitable. Yeah, it was pretty great. I love the fact that we got to basically non 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 denials from from both Texas and Oklahoma at this point, where they both basically said, "Yeah, we don't we don't address rumors," uh, versus they could have said, "No, no, no, that's not happening." <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, and listen, it's real interesting to me too, right? Because the the news originally came from Brent Zwerneman over at the Houston Chronicle, great A and M beat writer, and like not not to like try to you know dig into him or like i'm curious who his source was or who his sources were because he's at i assume at sec media days out in hoover alabama uh a athletic director right afterwards came out and was like uh nope we don't want this and then you know but then it was also like right before a went on so it meant that a had to address it yeah and the so, timing was not yeah. coincidental no. And so it's just, you know, because because usually with that kind of thing with breaking news, a lot of the time it's like, OK, you start to think who would have wanted this out. Right. And yeah. it's it's hard to think that it would have been necessarily an A&M person unless I mean, one thing that that somebody did bring up is like unless they were trying to if they're trying to sandbag it. Right. Unless they're trying to, like, make it a mess and like a fiasco and then maybe. It, I, but who knows? You know, <laughs> like here uh, we are. Could, right. Here we are. So, man, it's. It's just fascinating. I mean, that's that's obviously a little inside baseball for for me as a reporter, yeah. but but you know, it's it's just interesting, right? Because this stuff always comes from somewhere, and so yeah, I mean, it definitely made for a good Jimbo soundbite where he's like, "Yeah, of course they want to join the SEC. It's the best league in the world," sort of thing. But you know, it's yeah, this this is gonna be our next couple of days, I assume. Just another. Knows? 
another episode in the saga of of Texas and A&M, you know, casually slinging mud at each other and then going home to their beds at night to cry over pictures of each other. <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, I certainly back in, uh, I think it was 2015, right? We put on the cover, the, uh, you know, Texas, Texas A&M play the game thing. And I certainly am a proponent of playing the game. I wasn't there at the time, to be clear. But, you know, I, I think that certainly all of us sort of casual football fans like the idea of Texas and Texas A&M playing because they argue so much regardless, right? Like there's one way to resolve it and it's to play the football game. And uh, I, I saw somebody else make a comment like the lost dogs was like, we'll get to decide when we play this game again. And I certainly don't think anybody saw them making that decision quite like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's crazy. It's interesting because if you think about it, that the stakes for this game, I mean, there's the bickering back and forth of you need it and we don't need it and all that. It, the, the stakes for this game if if it happens about this way, couldn't really be any higher because, you know, A&M kind of got out of the proverbial shadow, so to speak, when they moved to the SEC. And it wouldn't take too much arguing to say that their past decade has been better than Texas's past de decade since they made the move. But now if you put the two in the same conference and you give them all the same advantages of let's be like from a revenue perspective, from a facilities perspective, these programs are identical, like. They're, they're the powerhouses of the sport in Texas. You put them both in the SEC, and they're the same. And then at that point, you settle in on the field, and one of them is better. You'd actually find out, which would be bad for someone. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I mean, if you are if you are Texas A&M, first of all, you don't like this news, right? The whole idea and your whole pitch to student-athletes right now is, man, you come out of high school, you get to play in the SEC, the best league in, in college football, and still play in the state of Texas. And all of a sudden, if Texas comes through, and even if Oklahoma comes through, right, and you don't have that that nice little pitch that, that you kind of have, that big advantage in recruiting, I think that, you know, if you're Jimbo Fisher, you... Well, not if you're Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo, Jimbo's, you know, his Jimbo's like, let me, let me add him. Right, right. But if you're Texas A&M, you have to make a playoff soon. And really, I, I mean, I think to feel really good that, like, this isn't going to become an issue. Like, I, I think that you really have to feel like, man, we need to find a way to win this national championship, right? Because if Texas comes back in and if Texas A&M, let's, let's just say that the level that they're at right now, you know, kind of, yeah, you know, maybe right outside of the playoff. Now, certainly they'll expand to 12 and that'll change the calculus a bit too. But like, I think that it does become interesting because yeah, again, Texas all of a sudden comes in, they do have that brand power. They do have that cachet. They do, you know, have things, they're a little bit more central in the state. Texas A&M has that tie to Houston, but like, you know, statewide, I think Texas still has a lot of power, both on the recruiting trail and, and just in college football. Like, I think if you're Texas A&M, you need to say, oh, my gosh, we need to win the SEC before Texas. We need to make the playoff before Texas. We need to prove that, like, we are at least on an equal playing field, if not ahead of. Now, Jimbo Fisher is a big part of that, I think, and just stability in the program. But, like, man, uh, I, Texas A&M kind of needs to, like, stake their claim, I think, before, you know, to, just to feel comfortable that things aren't going to go the wrong direction. Yeah, I no, I just man. can't wait for the, the state legislatures to start getting overly involved. Like what happens when Oklahoma tries to move without Oklahoma State or like, you know, a group of A&M legislators in, in Austin tries to, you know, pass a bill saying Texas isn't allowed to leave its conference. It's just going to get it's going to get real messy. And as someone who has like really no stake in 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 what happens with these programs other than like my 
my own SEC West squad potentially being impacted. I'm just like, okay, let's let's get weird. This is gonna yeah. be fun. Yeah, I mean, no. and I'll tell you what, just real quick. You know, I'm a I'm a Baylor grad, right? And if not for that legislative piece, if not for political pressure and freaking lawsuits and stuff like that, Baylor would have been left out of the Big Twelve, right? And after realizing, yeah, if not for direct gubernatorial intervention. Yeah, man. Thank you, Ann Richards. I would not have arrived at Baylor. I'm not a a rice grad that's bitter about that. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm not talking (laughs) to the right audience. (laughs) Oh man, it's 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 crazy. And the the best the best take I've heard so far was uh, if this is going to happen, A and M needs to to step up to the table so far and say, yeah, 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 we'll let you in with stipulations and. and and set the rules like uh, uh, horns down is a, a penalty for everybody else in the league, but not the Aggies or uh, <laughs> it's not it's not a home and home. It's a uh, two homes for A&M and then we'll play in uh, San Antonio the third year, <laughs> man. And, you know, what? It, it is interesting, right, because the SEC's bylaws say that 11 of the 14 schools have to approve these new schools coming in. And so. Certainly with AM, you think that they probably would vote no. Now, at the same time, there's a difference between a private vote and a public vote, right? Like publicly, they certainly have to say it regardless. I'm curious kind of internally what they think, because it would obviously be a huge financial windfall for Texas AM. But at the same time, I mean, competitively, you, you'd think that they would not want those schools. Uh, and Kirk Bowles has reported that uh, that both uh, Texas AM and Missouri would vote no on these schools coming in. And certainly you have to look at like Arkansas. I, I don't think Arkansas should want these two schools right there in the SEC's backyard. And, and then, you know, then you're looking for potentially one more, right? And the other thing too is that I, I do think that you have to think, you know, if the SEC can't feel kind of united on it, it's hard to see them, you know, necessarily wanting to move forward with somebody if if there's a lot of conflict within the current conference members about doing it. So I don't know. It, there's a lot of drama still left to happen, and and I'm really curious to see uh, who's going to come out on top. Yeah, I mean, if you're Mississippi State, you already have to put up with being sixth or seventh, depending on the year right. in the West. Even if you do some shuffling around and move people around, are you really yeah, excited I mean, you, that you have to get rid of divisions if you do this? There's like having eight team divisions at a 16 team conference. Like, I mean, I've been on the Bill C Pod train for a long time now, but like. It just seems un- unless you're actually going to vote to go to like, I don't even know if nine conference games is enough at that point. But like you, uh, I, but I feel like you have to, to abolish the divisions. If from a pure spectacle that. standpoint, if you told me the pod of teams that played every year were uh, A&M, Oklahoma, Texas and Arkansas, maybe <laughs> LSU, like that, that's not the, the best for any of those. Teams, like, pod, yeah. Yeah. Like any of those teams, like long-term playoff hopes, that's probably not the best, but man, it would be fun. Well, I got to say, I mean, so you have to imagine, right? So you're going to 16 in this scenario. And like, so you'd imagine that they'd maybe move over the Alabama schools to the East, which I think everybody, uh, you know, else in the West would be real happy about. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. If you're Texas A&M, if you're LSU, if you're this new Texas and Oklahoma group, and, and don't get me wrong, I... I do personally think this is just, you know, my opinion. I, I think Oklahoma would become like a, even more of a superpower than they are right now if you could kind of pitch playing in the SEC as well. Like, I think that's actually one thing is, is I do feel like the Oklahoma pitch seems pretty, you know, 
pretty directly, hey, we can recruit at a really high level and be a national caliber program in the Big 12, but maybe we can't get over that hump without sort of having that SEC name brand to us because it it is something that, you know, they get recruited against. And so, you know, it definitely would be interesting. Uh, I will say, I mean, the SEC is not shy about their teams not playing each other because, you know, the way that the schedule is set up right now, right, you play your six division mates, you have one guaranteed crossover game. So for Texas A&M, that's South Carolina. Every year they get to play South Carolina and then you get one more. So like well, I, A&M has joined the SEC in 2012. They yeah. haven't played at Kentucky and they haven't hosted Georgia or Georgia. Yeah. Uh, I got that right. Yeah. Yeah, I believe uh, I, I might I might be mixing up the, the details of the set, but I believe Texas played Georgia in the SEC before Texas A&M did. Because they played them in the Sugar Bowl. In the Sugar Bowl, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's which is just bizarre. so weird. So weird. College yeah, football. Yeah, Alabama plays at Florida this year for the first time in a decade. <laughs> like that's so weird. What, like, so, so that's the one thing, right? Is I don't think the SEC is losing sleep about saying, "Now nah, you're not going to play each other." So here's the compromise: Texas ultimately does what Texas always does, and they try and get too much, and they end up out in the cold slash going independent and they'll be fine. Texas would be fine as an independent. They could pull it off. Yes. The SEC takes Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Okay. And then boom, expansion. You already got Texas. You're adding Oklahoma. That could get more. Yeah. Fine. No, I've no. solved it. I want credit when that goes out. <laughs> I am now, Shahan. You've got me terrified at the thought of Oklahoma recruiting like SEC defensive linemen. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because that's like, that's the pitch, right? Is that, you know, Oklahoma, they're offensive players. They're like, we put all these offensive linemen in the NFL. We put all these wide receivers in the NFL. So, like, I understand the pitch. And even over the last 10 decades, right, for me being around the Big 12, like, that's never been an issue for the for the Big 12 to, to generate offensive players. It's been those defensive players and sort of some of those top end uh, offensive linemen as well. And all of a sudden, right, if you can't, you know, if you're Arkansas, if you're LSU, if you're Texas A&M, if you're if you're Ole Miss and you can't pitch something better than what Oklahoma can pitch, that's big trouble for everybody else. You know, I, I, I was talking to somebody else today. Right. And, you know, and they were like, oh, well, I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma, if they had to jump into the SEC right now, I, I don't know you know, if they're deep enough, all that sort of thing. And I'm like. No, man, th this is a really good team. They just happen to run into like, you know, they, they get to the playoff. They're not Alabama good as yet, but maybe this is that last piece. And and if you are Oklahoma, right, you already had that path to the playoff. Yes, but I understand the perspective that, OK, well, maybe the thing to take us to, again, that, that SEC talent level on the defensive line specifically, maybe that's what it takes. So. I, I understand it to some extent at, at the same time as a Big 12 lifer so far. It's a it's weird. Have you gone to pay your respects yet to the to the Big 12? Or are you, you holding on for <laughs> <laughs> the next shoe to drop? Listen, man, I, I still remember the moment that uh, that Chip Brown's tweet came across the timeline that they're going <laughs> to the Pac-12. So I am not writing the obituary until the obituary is ready to be written. Oh, man, Chip Brown. <laughs> I tell you what, it's interesting. And that, and that that gets me thinking in if we do de de detour somewhat from from whatever fiasco happens with that between between Texas, a Texas and Texas A&M, uh, obviously there's a, a conversation of who's ahead in that race right now. But I was curious after listening to we're midway through talking season right now. Right. I think yeah. the only with the AAC. 
is last to go and they're going in like August or something for media days. But other than that, so from what you've gathered so far, who do you kind of peg is the third best team in the state of Texas? I'm interested there. Sure. So, I mean, I think that it's going to be pretty tight, right? Like, I think that, like you mentioned, that twosome is going to be interesting. I think that you have to look first at TCU. I I think that TCU, they've got a lot returning on the offensive side of the ball. Um, You you know, and that's been the real issue for them is that they haven't had any sort of identity on the offensive side of the ball. And and, in their last couple of games, I think they won five of their last six games. Uh, They kind of found it, right? They have this great running back, Zach Evans, who was an all-world recruit and had a lot of, uh, I, I guess, extracurriculars around his recruitment and finally kind of for a lot of reasons, ended up at TCU, right? And so you kind of got to see at the end of the year that this is a special player. And, you know, I, I think that the question now is waiting for Max Duggan to kind of develop into the pastor that we think he can potentially be. But, you know, defensively, they've got two really good defensive ends who are going to, you know, I, I think going to be breakout players for them. Uh, so I think that they have as much upside as anybody, you know, and two teams from the group of five level that I think have the chance to be really good. You know, one I think SMU, a lot of people are counting out SMU because Shane Bouchelle graduated, but this to me is a more talented team top to bottom than they've ever had, and that includes their 10-win season. And yeah, they're going to have to figure out that quarterback battle with Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone, both tremendously talented quarterbacks, but what they have at receiver, I I mean, I would take their receiver room over like two-thirds of the power five that's how good this receiver room is and defensively they've really started to step up in a big way and recruited at a high level so i do think that they're going to have a chance to be a lot better and at the conference usa level i mean utsa is going to make their case this year they finished the year undefeated in the month of november they took louisiana to the brink in the bowl game and they returned basically everybody on both sides of the ball including 12 super seniors which is just just so dumb just so dumb. 12 super seniors <laughs> in Conference USA. I don't know how that's even like... I, I, had, a, I had a coach I was talking to. Uh, he was like, wait a minute. So so they're going to be playing with 12 more scholarship players or potentially 97 scholarship players. Where the heck are they getting that money? And I <laughs> don't know the answer. I, I truly that's don't. you. <laughs> right? No, right? UTSA. UTSA. Oh, UTSA. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, but listen, man, when, when you get that... San Antonio money rolling, I guess, you know, you, you come up with 12 more scholarships. So it's it's crazy stuff, man. I, I think that I think that UTSA and SMU are both going to make a really good case to, you know, be right in that conversation. But I think if I had to pick one team right now to kind of break, you know, it, for me, it's, it's more into the Texas A&M group. I, I think that Texas is we'll see what they are. We'll see what they are. But I think that, you know, to kind of break into that second tier and push for that first tier, I think that TCU is probably the first team I'd look at. Wait, so clarifying, which one is first tier and which one is second tier, A&M and Texas? Oh, I mean, I, I think that Texas A&M heading into next year is clearly the first tier team. I think that, you know, they finished number five in the country last year. They they won the Orange Bowl. They have a lot returning on the defensive side of the ball. And heck, we put them on the cover of our freaking magazine, right? So this is a team that I think is going to push for a playoff spot. Now, they have to beat Alabama on October 9th to do that. So, you know. Good luck with that. But uh, but I think that they're in a much better place right now than Texas. Texas, obviously, a new coach. They've got some really special players. But uh, but I think right now, SC, uh, sorry, excuse me, Texas A&M is the signature program in the state. That's wild, going back to the realignment conversation that we're here. And mm. we're talking about SMU being great again. I feel like we're going back in time. It's, it's the early to late 90s and... Well, that's a mute. Like this isn't as relevant for this year, but they're recruiting like crazy right now. Mm. Like they had some like 
some like high four star receivers, I think, that committed to them this summer, which is. Yeah, yeah, kind of wild. They had two kids who were top 150 kids. I believe that they're both teammates at Garland High School, if I remember right. And those guys were so one of them when he committed, he committed first. I think it was the wide receiver. Uh, He was the highest rated commit since the last guy uh, from last year, Preston Stone, who was also a top 120 type kid. And then his teammate committed, who's ranked even higher than both of them, and is the you know the, the top rated commit in the rec- modern recruiting era for SMU. So really since Eric Dickerson, basically, since they've gotten kids like this. And so he was good. Uh, uh, that that kid turned out just fine. <laughs> so, so again, some extracurricular stuff at the end there, but you know we we don't hate <laughs> by any means. And uh, and and listen, man. Like the other thing too is that I think that SMU has a chance to be a real winner of this potential playoff expansion because I think that they have the pieces and I think they have the stature and I think they have the coaching staff right now uh, to go and push for an AAC title and and push for that six conference champion spot in in a new playoff. So I think that certainly that has to be a strong part of their pitch. And and I think it's really working out. Yeah, it was interesting. I was on a show with somebody last week and they talked about the the playoff expansion and how that kind of impacted Conference USA. And my kind of read on the situation then was like, I I don't think it really does. Um, Like maybe (laughs) you you have to have the, you know, you think back to that old Houston team, right? Where I guess it's not that old ago, old, but the stars align. And had they not been tripped up at the end, you beat a power five team or two and you run the table in the conference for a conference USA team to kind of make that upper tier jump. But I think the case for an AAC team uh, and maybe correct me if I'm if I'm wrong if I'm too down on conference USA but I think the case for for an SMU or Cincinnati to get there is a lot more believable um, from from the talent perspective alone yeah I think that the stat was that if this conference you know this whole deal existed basically an AAC team would have made the playoff in five of the last six years and they've really pushed that power six branding of course now you know we can we can get into the conversation about that obviously that's not really the case right now financially but I do think that one thing that could happen is you could have that kind of coalescing at the group of five level where all of a sudden Boise State's like well you know this is the best path for us to get to the playoff you know and it's just some of those seasons App State thinks about it right it's like a Louisiana thinks about it and so i do think that we could have a coalescing where there is more of sort of a, a power six in a group of four which I, I don't think would be great i don't think it would be ideal but certainly like you said i mean conference usa right now i think that they'd have to go a, a team would have to go 13 and 0 and beat a you know a top 15 type team in the non-conference just to kind of be in that conversation most likely that's kind of the path that we've seen to get into that new year's six bowl game uh you know in the aac and really especially if you're not an aac team right because i don't think that year to year you're going to have enough top 25 teams on your schedule in conference usa to really be able to break up past some of those other group of five teams so i i don't know like you said it, it's physically possible for a conference USA team to do that. Uh, but uh, it's not something I would necessarily bet on. Well, you look yeah. at Marshall last year, right? Mm-hmm. They started out seven and zero. that they had the win over app state at the beginning of the year, which I don't know if app state was ranked at that time, but they were top 25 ish adjacent. Yeah. Uh, even if they had run the table, beat rice and, and won won the conference beat UIB. Uh, they're still behind coastal, and um and Cincinnati. Oh, 
and Cincinnati, yeah, yeah for that yeah. for that spot on yeah, a perfect you, season. You'd have to do something like essentially what the path was for Houston or UCF when they had their great seasons, and obviously neither of them kind of got there in the second one, which is is kind of what's unfair about it, is because you're you're basing off separate seasons but you'd have to have one fantastic season where you know you upset a power five team and you know you go like 11 and one or something like that and win the conference and finish ranked highly but you're still not gonna you're still probably gonna be behind like the aac team or whoever and then the next year you basically have to do it again with this with now that you have the recognition that to get started off higher and i you know, this conference in particular is so fluid and the gaps are so small and things are always changing that it's really hard to see a team putting together that level of play for two years straight. Yeah, and and I will say, man, like one of the things from my first year covering the state of Texas back in 2018, right, is that North Texas team, right? They go, they beat Arkansas, they go and, you know, uh, beat SMU, although it's not that SMU team as yet, right? Not, not what's happening today, but, you know, a good win. And, you know, they go through and they're pushing and, and they're pushing right for the top. You know, they're they're not quite in that New Year's Six conversation, but they're close. Then they end up losing a couple games to close the year. And it's like, man, the thing that sucks the most is it's like, OK, so maybe at first you're pushing for the Sugar Bowl or the you know Cotton Bowl or whatever the, the bowl is that year. And then, you know, you end up in the New Mexico Bowl. You know, that that's the thing that really sucks about this whole process is like you don't really get rewarded for being just really good you know like you mm -hmm. have to be that top team and and it's just getting harder and harder especially for teams not in the american and it really you know maybe the mountain west is the one other contender but it's really hard for one of the teams that's not in the american to really push into that group yeah i, I it, for as good as is coastal season last year i think the sun belt is is probably down there with uh conference usa as well as it took for for coastal it took that perfect run of all the stars aligning mm, yeah which could it, happen yeah. it, it can happen right i mean that's the thing right for coastal like the other big thing for them was louisiana louisiana beat iowa state right so you you needed not just to go and do what you did and schedule a game on you know after four days and or four days before the game or whatever just to be the second the best <laughs> part of the 2020 season yeah, you don't have to tell us again that that you're gonna that you're gonna schedule a game for when I'm 38. You don't have to be doing all that. <laughs> but uh, but no you know it's two ads. Well, and the fact that that game like lived like that it was a fantastic game. Yeah. just was like the perfect yeah. bow on that that ridiculous gift. Yeah, well, and listen, if I'm a if I'm a group of five team or if I'm just a group of five heading forward, I would embrace that. Right. Like power five teams are always going to be too serious and all this, you know, sort of whatever garbage. But like, man, if, you, if you're coastal, like always, you know, always have that possibility. Right. Like always, even if it's a 13th game that you schedule. Right. It's like just be like, hey, man, you know what? What we'd like to do is if we're up there, man, like come over here. Right. Like we'll find some space in our schedule. Like, well, at a game, right? I, I'd love to see that kind of transits. Even, maybe, I mean, for some teams, maybe even consider leaving a spot open on your schedule just in case, right? Like, I, I don't, that's not something that I necessarily think will happen, but it's, it was a lot of fun and, and I would love to replicate it in any way possible. Yeah, I know commissioners have, like, I guess across the board, I don't think it's, it's nobody's official policy yet, but they've basically said, if you can't play, you're forfeiting. Yeah. And so we know that piece of conference games are not being rescheduled pretty much across the board. 
But, you know, if uh, if we have the same situation last year where two opponents bow out because of covid and uh, can we just uh, can we just say, hey, we're both free. Let's do this again. Yeah, man. And, and let's hope that we don't get a Baylor Houston situation where we have to cancel <laughs> it all over again. <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering if uh, and I, I know there's been talk of this, but like do something like what CUSA did in basketball um, mm. has started doing in basketball is like you. Um, like start a conference schedule and then after you know partway through it you basically like group the teams into the best and the worst teams and you basically give your best teams more of a chance to play each other and prove themselves and get better wins and i wonder if as like cusa and the Sun Belt and the mat start to see themselves kind of pushed further down if they start taking those opportunities to try and, and prop up their best teams in any given year as much as they can essentially adding a quarterfinals or semifinals yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I love an idea like that, right? It's I don't know whether leagues would ever kind of consider that. But I think that, listen, if you are if you are Conference USA, right, if you are the Mac, if you are even most years of the Sun Belt, right, like you're not going to push for that top spot consistently. And and again, I, I think that if you are one of those conferences, you also have to be very serious about the idea that, again, that the AAC is just going to become that sixth conference and that everybody's just going to be pushing for an invite to the AAC. And and so, yeah, I mean, listen, it, get creative man J just do your thing and and try to provide the most entertainment value that you can and try to provide the best competition that you can because the season's just you know you you get 12 shots at this thing you might as well make them count it's still kind of trickling into my head that 12 is actually a thing <laughs> after not listening. five y'all <laughs> right yeah. well, it's funny after listening uh, on the east day for for conference usa media days listening to a uh, uh, butch uh, Davis at, at FIU talking about five games. I'm just like, oh, that, yeah, that was normal, right? Like everybody played five. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell not... you what, it, it was so weird uh, hearing for the first time from Ricky Ronnie, who's been a head coach over there for yeah. like two years, basically. You know, it's it's the weirdest thing. I, I do not envy him having to go in and try to build up a program after having not played football at all last year and playing against an entire rest of the conference who played at least some level. Yeah, it was bizarre because I remember when he got hired and everything that when it happened last year, it was uh, Ricky Slade, the former Penn State running back. Yeah, he was like a five star guy. I think he might have been like the number one overall running back in the class or something like that. And uh, he committed. He transferred and committed to Old Dominion mm -hmm. right shortly after Ronnie got the job. And then I was putting together the preview for the Old Dominion season last year that didn't happen. And of course, he was featured prominently in my preview because there's not many five star guys playing in Conference USA. And uh, then no. I go and st start updating it for this year. And I'm going through the going through the spring roster and then going through 2021 stuff. And I look and he's no longer on the roster. And mm. so he, he had enough time to get and lose a five star recruit in the time. <laughs> that, but without playing. <laughs> yeah, it it's such a brutal situation. And I mean, I just think. You know, if, even uh, even even for for uh, Bloomgren, right? Like, I mean, to have five games and to have them have to be so spread out like that and have them have to be, you know, get some canceled games in there, just not know what's going to happen. And, and like for me, the thing that that makes me so sad is that 
that team last year, right? I mean, because because that first game, obviously, you know, they, they lose because they haven't played and they're playing against a team that's played a bunch of games. And so, like, we don't get to see Mike Collins again. We don't get to see Austin Trammell play here again. We don't get to see uh, Blaze Aldridge play here again. You know, and it's just it just it was just such a killer year just to not get to enjoy so many of the things that looked like they were going to be so much fun. Yeah. And I it, when my it was so surreal because Rice not only dealt with COVID and I'd have to go pull this up, but I, I say Rice dealt with COVID. The, the challenge with the COVID scheduling, because I, I believe Rice, after they intentionally chose to delay their season until October 24th, um, those pre previously canceled games aside, they fared better than anybody else in the conference regarding games that they were Rice was forced to cancel because of COVID issues at Rice. They had none. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they held up their end of the bargain. That's what made it so so crushing is there weren't many other schools in conference usa uh, lots of people had consul uh, cancellations but usually it was like hey this time it's us you know yeah. that time was them for rice every single game that got canceled it was somebody else and yeah. that's what made it so hard yeah i mean and, and listen like it's so tough too because for a lot of these kids i mean you know some were able to come back some were invited back and some weren't invited back right and so it's like it's just such a tough situation that like man you get i know that they, you got the free year but like just realistically right like still for many of these kids this was like their their chance right this was their you know their senior year this was the you know next year they're going to graduate and I, maybe they weren't invited back and obviously we see with the transfer portal right now right like so many guys are still unsigned and so I know that obviously this is all big picture to say that COVID was such a difficult time in all of our lives, but <laughs> COVID but, sucked. Breaking. <laughs> yeah. Listen, uh, first report, first report, Dave Campbell sex football. Uh, <laughs> COVID was a bad time, but it, it really was. Sex so magazine reports COVID bad. <laughs> Show title. <laughs> listen, Brent Zwerneman. We got a new scoop in the house. <laughs> Oh man, it, it's 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 interesting because uh, Carter and I have it kind of had too much time to stew at this probably, but watching you mentioned Mike Collins, I've the the Rice offense under Mike Bloomgren has never looked as good as it did in like the second half of the Middle Tennessee game through the Southern Miss game with Mike Collins. Like after he had that first quarter like adjustment to you know like Rice football, uh, yeah, yeah, he was. I don't remember what the stat was, but through like three games against North Texas, he was like, it's like seventh or eighth in the country in touchdown passes because he threw like 10. Yeah, he, he threw 10 touchdown passes in three games. And I had a brief moment just one interception. He was like one I, of th five quarterbacks in the country that had 10 to one ratio or something like that. Yeah. I, I had a brief moment just now where I was like, I should go and total up all of the passing touchdowns over the three years that Mike Bloomgren has been at Rice and see what proportion of those Mike Collins threw in three games. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to make myself sad. <laughs> I, it's it's got to be like 40%. It's, it's, it's going to be an upsettingly high percentage. Yeah, man. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, it, it sucks too. So I actually, back when... Mike walked on at TCU, right? This was before he was like eligible or anything like that. I actually did a story back on him, talked to a bunch of people out in New Canaan, Connecticut about him. And they were just like, no, nah, man, this, 
this guy, like, this is a special guy. Like, you know, he obviously ended up at the Ivy Leagues at, at the University of Pennsylvania to start out. And and even with TCU, like, he played real well at TCU. There were just a lot of factors out of his control that really kind of led to him struggling. And obviously the, the injury stuff is, is a big part of it. But, man, I was like, ooh, this is really going to work out. This is great. And and the other thing, too, I mean, you, you mentioned Mike, who obviously, uh, you know, has retired from football because of injuries. But, like, that connection with Austin Trammell was just next level. Like, imagine if you got that with Bradley roster too, right? Like it, it just, uh, man, what could have been? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, we were bummed until we were not. Cause now that we have a new shiny quarterback on campus, <laughs> we're a little bit more willing to uh, <laughs> let Mike Collins go. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I've, I've heard real good things about, uh, I actually did get a chance to catch up with coach Bloomgren, uh, earlier this week out at, at Texas high school coach association, Texas high school coach association, coaching school. They make Listen. it hard on purpose. Well, and listen, I'll tell you what, uh, if I, if I, my voice sounds a little, uh, a little grating, if my, if I sound a little uh, out of it, it's because I am, because that was a long <laughs> couple of days, but, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And so, yeah, we got to catch up uh, for a little bit out there. You know, he's obviously done such a great job, got to, to catch up with a lot of members of his staff and stuff. And so, uh, but yeah, just, just talking to a couple of, you know, support guys, like they, they really like what they've seen from Luke so far. They say that he's really, really like come in and bought in and not, you know, because because Bryce doesn't have another blue chip guy on the roster. Right. And so, you know, he's come in and really committed and not tried to sort of act like, you know, this guy who was promised anything. And so I think it's going to be a real good battle. You know, I, I think it's going to be a really tight battle. I, I think that Luke certainly has a great chance to win it. And, you know, you, you talk also about these new offensive uh, stuff that are going to be coming in with coach Tua, like, I think it's going to be re a real good fit for him. Yeah. I mean, if, if, and it's been interesting, especially I thought it was notable. I think did one conference USA school bouncing back to media days, bring a quarterback. <laughs> I think it was, two. I, it's, it's not a lot. Hold up. I, I have the schedule right here. Yeah. I'd have to got... go, go pull it up because I know okay. Grant Wells was there for Marshall. I, I don't remember. Wells... Is Frank Harris coming? No, he's not. No, Sincere's Sincere coming. No, that's it. That's the so entire one. List. Yeah. Wow. So you're talking about, and, and actually it's interesting enough, Luke McCaffrey, I, and I'm going to repeat this stat because it's one of my favorite Luke McCaffrey stats. He's known for his, his rushing prowess, obviously, and the highlights that he posted up in Nebraska. But uh, of all returning Conference USA quarterbacks, he would have his career completion percentage, which is basically last year plus a couple snaps the year before, is higher than any returning Conference USA quarterback. Oh, so, brother. <laughs> that's yeah. That's not ideal. Like, we like when he came on, like we we were so excited and, you know, I, I spent some time like kind of breaking down his game and I was like, you know, he's kind of an athlete playing quarterback, but like, you know, he'll have a lot of, you know, one on ones and like teams are going to be so focused on stopping this guy running because he's legit. Like I watched this guy like make the wrong read on the zone read and have an edge defender from Penn State like bottle him up and then he just beat that guy to the edge because sometimes you just are faster than other guys. But like. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, but like if he can just like hit the easy stuff, the one on ones really leverage that rushing ability, like it's going to be great. And then Matt's like, yeah, his completion percentage would be first in the conference. And I was like, <laughs> well, the, the state of the passers in CSA <laughs> right now is 
is stellar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I gotta, I gotta put up. A, I, I assume that that Tyson Helton's just trying to hide my boy Bailey Zappi because he doesn't want everybody studying that tape. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 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 pretty it's pretty dire out there, man. Like, uh, I, even like you just look at at UTSA, man. It's like if they could. I think Frank's good. I don't know if he's great, right? If if he could kind of lock down that position and, and really improve his passing, like you said, it, it would be so big for them. But but for Rice, you know, yeah, having a guy coming in and, and Luke McCaffrey, I mean, he's going to, in this offense, I think, have a lot of flexibility to throw the deep ball, right? Like, I think he's going to have a lot of flexibility to, to move a little bit, right? Like, I, I expect them to use those attributes in a big way. And, uh, and, and listen, I mean, the offensive line, of course, is getting a lot better. You, you know, I think that... There's there's a lot of reasons for optimism with what he can do. And and of course, let's remember too, he has four years of eligibility remaining, right? Like he has an opportunity to not just be a big time player in the short term, but really in the long term. I think that, you know, it, it says a lot about him. I think that he said, I'm gonna not try and, you know, flash my way somewhere, right? Like I'm gonna go to a program in Rice that like if I succeed, like you know, then it's going to take some time. It's going to be a process for me. And, and and I think that committing to a program like that says a lot. And I'm interested to get, because obviously we have our, our, our own, maybe, maybe not a maybe colored perspective uh, of rice and, and kind of how things are, but especially I, I want to get your thoughts as you kind of, you put together a preseason magazine that is awesome. You should, you should go read it. Plug for you you're welcome <laughs> thank you um, but but as you kind of put it together the the common thread thread that i've heard um from people either doing other preseason stuff or making their picks for for the upcoming season are you know no one's bold enough to go say to pick rice to go win the conference but on every section where they say sleeper team of who's the team that's going to come out of nowhere and be really good it's almost unanimously rice. So as someone who has to go through and, you know, kind of put the previews <laughs> together and, and make that sleeper pick, what's kind of the, how, what's your, you know, out, insider outsider perspective of, of the owls and, and how close do you really think they are from, from making that jump? Yeah, and you I can be that... honest. We, we won't bite. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, Everybody, I, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast knows their first three games, right? I, I think that once you get past it, if you can get past that healthy, if you can get past that with a quarterback who's not terrified to take the field after that, right? I think that they're in a really good spot. I mean, the schedule isn't easy by any means after that, but, you know, get Southern Miss at home, you should win that game. You've got Nortex at home, that should be a really good game. Uh, you, you know, you have to go to UTEP, I think that's a game that you... You should win at UTSA, at UAB. That, that's really where I think the conference-type conversations become a little more difficult because I think, to me, those are the two favorites in, in the West Division. But, you know, if you go and show something on the road against UTSA, that, that says a lot. And it's not undoable by any means. I, I think that, you know, we talk about last year and we talk about, uh, you know, especially that offense, right? Like, we saw the defense come together by the end of the year. We we saw them really show up in a big way. And, and I think offensively, if you can get some consistency at that quarterback position, I mean, I, I think it really could change things. And the other thing, too, is, is they brought in a couple receivers and they've developed a couple guys that I like. And so, you know, that's a big part of it, too, right? You have to kind of have your old reliables that, that you have there. But, you know, bringing some new guys, bringing some dynamism, I, I think it's going to really pay off in a big way. So 
there is upside on this team. I think I think there's more upside other than maybe last year where certainly, you know, we didn't get to see it. I, I, there's more upside than there's been on this team in a little while. I, I don't know because of those two road games whether I see them as a potential conference contender, but I think that they are a team who absolutely could, you know, let, let's say they lose those two games. Well, I still think that they could go and potentially win maybe every other Conference USA game on the schedule. So so we will revisit it, and I think it, it gets particularly interesting if Rice can split those games. Yes. Because yes. at that point, no. you're talking about you you have the tiebreaker over one of right. the two potential favorites, then everything's on the table. And then right. you're looking at, man, we got to beat North Texas, Charlotte, UTEP. Yeah. That's a whole different conversation. Right, right. And so I think that we'll figure out pretty early on. I mean, so obviously, you know, Southern Miss, I'm not 100% sure, honestly, what they're going to look like. <laughs> Just, I, mean, last year was I thought it was really curious that they were picked fourth in the West. I Yeah, I, I was not optimistic about them. I don't remember where we picked them in the magazine, but it, it wasn't it wasn't that high. And I so, did not have them that high in my preseason <laughs> ballot. I, 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 like, I like Will Hall. I'm, yes. I'm really excited to see that offense go somewhere. But like... Yeah. <laughs> this year? This year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and obviously what he's going to do is going to be very different is the other part of it right. than what they've kind of done before. So I'd expect, you know, you get them at home. I think that they win the game. Again, it, th those two games, like you said, let, let's just say they split them, right? Let's say that they let's say that they beat UTSA or beat UAB, right? And then you get Nortex at home. I don't think they're going to be especially special. Uh, and also, I mean, <laughs> I don't remember if I've told this story on the podcast. I, I ran into to Bloomgren a while back and was like, yeah, I did come and see you guys this year. I saw the Nortex game. He's like, really? Out of all the games, that's when you had to come and see me. So, <laughs> so I, I think you'll be very motivated to uh, to try to do better than that uh, in Houston this time. Was that the, was that the, 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 the one in Denton, like Wiley's first start? No, no, no. The, this one this past year. Oh, this past year. Yeah, oh. where, where they were like oh, very competitive yeah. in every game. And then uh, and then, you know, that game was just a freaking disaster. And, just a yeah, that was the one where yeah, they were counting to Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> were like, the, sitting there in the press box and they're reading out every time he gets attacked for a loss. OK, if he gets one more, he passes this guy. <laughs> If he gets one more, and I'm like, just make it stop. Yeah, I'm like, that was the game where I'm like, oh my gosh, North Texas fixed their defense, and they did not. But uh, and they, <laughs> they <did laughs> but yeah, I mean, then you go at Charlotte, definitely winnable. I think Western Kentucky at home is going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, certainly I like Rice's past defense a lot, but I mean, they've got some weapons, man. They got some real weapons with those Houston Baptist guys coming in. So that'll be a tough game, but. At UTEP, you know, again, I, I think that that's a very winnable game. And then you get Louisiana Tech. And I really, same deal, don't really know what to expect from them after last year either. So, like, there, there's no game on the schedule that you're like, that's that's not happening, right? Like, other than, obviously, the first three games. But once you once you enter Conference USA play, like, everything's kind of there. And so, uh, because of the upside of this team and because of the level of talent, I think, on this team right now, and and maybe maybe you get something from some of those underclassmen from these great recruiting classes, too. I mean, who knows? You're, you're st still afraid of that uh, SEC power in Texas. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah, man. I mean, opening a season with two SEC teams is going to be real tough. Listen, man. Uh, yeah, you, you don't uh, you don't just go to two SEC programs and, and play that <laughs> that tough SEC West schedule and then play Big Twelve opponent. Uh, sorry, Houston, and just expect <laughs> to get uh, three wins out of that. You know. <laughs> 
Oh man, it, it's crazy, and it, it's interesting because we we've hit on McCaffrey, we've hit, I guess, loosely on on Bailey Zappi, who's I yeah. I'm really I'm real really upset that Rice has to play them this year because otherwise <laughs> I would be conducting the Bailey Zappi train. That could be like the low key like undercard G five game of the year. Like oh, you're talking about an elite Rice defense, an elite Western Kentucky. What I think will be. I, I believe, I think, I think they can get there in elite Western yeah. Kentucky. Offense. I mean, Zappi lit up half of CUSA last year on while he was on Houston Baptist. So yeah. like, I, it's hard for me to see a way in which that doesn't happen with a like power fight or a FBS level supporting yeah. cast. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like they talked up what they've done on their offensive line at Houston Baptist and they did a pretty good job. But hey, man, like you get you get on level talent now to, to help defend you. Right. And so, you know, and defensively, obviously, that's kind of been where Western Kentucky has been fine. Right. I mean, that's that's the funny thing about all this. So, yeah, that, that'll definitely be an interesting game. I mean, I, I think, like you said, it, it could be like a it, it's a very like niche, like, oh, man, this is going to rule game in college football. <laughs> and uh, and that's what I live for. This is great. Well, we've been a. Uh... We've been putting everybody else that covers school-specific uh, programs. I guess you cover all of them, but uh, through through the lightning round, we don't have a full set of questions for you. But I did want kind of pick your brain because I know as going through all of previews and stuff, you have gone through rosters and rosters, and you have a million just random names stuck in your head. So I wanted Another. to get yeah. <laughs> This is not a test. <laughs> it's July. The test starts in August, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I wanted to. Do you have a a maybe maybe one guy in offense, one guy in defense? Uh, State of Texas Conference USA. Somebody we'd be familiar with to some extent. Uh, just you know, diamond in the rough that you are really excited to see this season. Who? Okay, that's a that's a really good question. I'm gonna I'm gonna filibuster for just a second while I try to while I try to think of some of these guys. <laughs> um, okay, so on offense, I think that uh, that one guy who I think is poised to potentially step in and, and you know really kind of replace some of of the guy that they just lost production is Jair Shorter over at North Texas at receiver. Uh, they are real optimistic about what he can do. I mean, he's a big, strong guy, a very different kind of build, very different kind of skill set than what Jalen Darden had at North Texas last year. But I, I think that he potentially is somebody who maybe even in that offense is a little bit easier to get the ball to than than some of these other guys. And so, you know, I think that he has the chance to be really, really good. Um, you know, and and I think that for North Texas, right, they're going to have that quarterback battle. It's going to be Austin Ani. It could be Jason Ruder, the North Carolina transfer. I think they have a chance to to really be special. I mean, you know, so we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, but I think that that he's definitely something I'm looking at on offense, defense, man. I, ooh. Let, let, let me think for a second. Uh, keep keep on talking about something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll throw it. And I had this conversation with. Uh, now I, now I'm having to think about it. Uh, with <laughs> I had this conversation. It was with uh, with uh, somebody on the Rice coaching staff a couple of weeks ago about Elijah Garcia, who is yes. Yes. is a a I guess he's a sixth year defensive lineman at this point, and somebody that never seems to make it onto any sort of all anything list, uh, mm. but but quietly is is probably one of the better defensive linemen in, in Conference USA, and, and I'm I think 
if I'm if I'm steer not not to steer you, but maybe to steer you. If you put him <laughs> next side next to a, De- a DeBraylin Carroll who has now a couple years of college ball under his belt, that uh, Elijah Garcia could be somebody that a lot more people know by the time we get to December. Yeah, I mean, and I'm a big DeBrell Carroll fan for sure. But one guy who I will mention who's kind of like a new addition type is UTSA added a JUCO kid named Ron Tatum. And originally coming out of high school, he was actually he actually went straight to Oklahoma. He was like a top 100 type kid uh, coming out of school. And UTSA made the pitch and, and convinced him to come to San Antonio and be a part of that defensive line. And look, I don't know if he's going to be like a first uh, for sure, you know, star by any means, but I think he's going to be somebody who's going to factor right into that rotation. And especially at defensive end, I mean, they, they're real good at defensive tackle with Jalen Haynes. They haven't had that production at defensive end. And I, and I think that if they can add him into the mix, that's the sort of guy who I think could really cause some trouble. Yeah. With him and Dantzler, that could be, yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, well, maybe as long as it's not fun when they play Rice <laughs> every other week of the season. <laughs> well, and I will quickly mention two guys. Those are obviously both Conference USA guys, you know, two guys at sort of the the higher college level who the, these are two guys who their staffs were like, this guy's going to be an all conference first team pick are Siaki Ika at Baylor, who's a nose tackle. He was an LSU. Fast. Yes. <laughs> Siaki Ika. He actually goes by Apu. So Apu, Apu yeah. Ika. Yeah. And so uh, he actually played at LSU the last two years. Or Well, so he played his first year, played like two games, and then left uh, last season and decided to transfer. Yeah. He is just the type of defensive lineman that you do not find in the Big 12 very often. He's like 340, super active at nose tackle. They're just, I mean, I, I remember watching him in the spring game and he was just, they couldn't play offense because of him like they they just had to take him off the field so that they could try to run some of their new stuff and so that's the level of talent again everybody on that staff's like man like you should consider making him a preseason all big 12 i'm like i I need to see something first but uh but they think that he's going to be there and the other guy is actually a guy with a lot of experience it's marquise waters a defensive back over at texas tech uh same deal they're they're like this guy is going to be a star in our secondary he's going to be the kind of guy who really can potentially be a big difference maker uh, on our back end. And, you know, Texas Tech is so interesting to me because I think that they really pitched being a developmental program early on, and they kind of got a lot of pressure before they were allowed to do it. And I think that a lot of the stuff behind the scenes has changed in a very big way. You know, they recruited, I think, at a much, much, much higher level uh, player to player than Cliff Kingsbury ever did, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, and I think that Waters is the type who could potentially come in and – you know, kind of just tie everything together. You're talking about future AAC champ, Texas Tech? <laughs> <laughs> listen, man, listen. Uh, they could be joining y'all. They could be joining y'all in conference well, USA. Who's to know, really? Yeah. Oh, man. At that point, I guess What's, we'll be back wait, to a power five your... because the, the Big 12 will <laughs> dissolved and then the well, uh, Where is Baylor AAC? going? Yeah. Put on your fan hat. What's your <laughs> What's your worry level right now? Well, so, okay. Well, first of all, I'm a basketball fan, so I don't care about all that. But second of all, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, but but seriously, I am very curious to see what kind of happens with the Big 12. Because I, I do think one thing is, right, like, with this expansion, like we talked about, there are six potential spots year to year that are open. And if you're the Big 12, obviously, I don't know what the timeline for this Texas-Oklahoma thing is. There's a grant of rights through the 2025 season. I don't know if they'd have to kind of stay until then or what the deal would be. But the other thing that I'll say, right, is that so you have those eight teams and like 
you still have these TV deals. You still have this built-in fan base. I'm curious, right? If you're the Big 12, and let's just say that this starts getting a little more firm. I, I don't think you act before this is kind of firm. Well, like, you know, I, I do think that you are in a position to, okay, let's say add SMU and Houston, add UCF, right? And and try to, like, roll it back. And you are going to be certainly, like, like there would be in some case, well, I mean, there really would be a power two, like there is right now. But, you know, there would be kind of a power four and then, like, two others. But, like, I still think you'd be in a pretty good position to be one of the two others, at least. And so I, I feel like it makes a lot of sense to kind of go and say, okay, we're going to add some good programs. You know, maybe you look at a Memphis. All the teams UConn. that... <laughs> oh, All right. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that you do sort of jump in. And, and you, I do think that if you're if you're smart about it, you try to be aggressive and say, okay, like, here are some of the teams. Maybe you make a pitch to, uh, hey, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. You know, hey, Arizona schools, do you want to try to, you know, be sort of a premier program in this conference? Uh, you know, Colorado, do you want? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if you could get another Colorado power coming back to the big whatever would, would just be. Yeah, it, it would that, be weird. It would be the nomad Buffalo of, <laughs> yeah. of power five football. But, you know, so I, I think that they, that's the thing is like, or the flip side of that is. You know, the one thing that I'll say about Baylor specifically is that Baylor certainly has spent most of the last two decades pissing everybody off. So, like, I don't know if that's the place that you want to be. But uh, but, you know, from a from let's just talk about strictly an on, uh, you know, an on court on field perspective. Right. Like, I think Baylor and TCU are in an interesting position to potentially join a, a conference like the AAC and maybe help elevate it just, you know, not to a again not to that level of conference but to one where you're still putting in a playoff team a lot of the time not all the time but you know a lot of the time and so i don't think that it's going to be just like some earth-shattering groundbreaking thing i mean i i think that the fact that we have these announcements about the 12 team playoff before all this actually really you know again like you said speaking with a fan i i think it does help soften it a little bit where okay maybe there's some more paths now uh but but certainly i mean <laughs> listen these schools are not going to be making 40-something million dollars a year on TV contracts without the University of Texas in Oklahoma there. Man, I assume you would be upset, but I'm thinking about it now. On an AAC with Baylor, TCU, SMU, and Houston mm -hmm. would be awesome. Yeah. It's really interesting how the... the in mo multiple sports. Yeah. How, like, knowing that we're going to a 12-team playoff changes the calculus of all this. Because I think even from the other side, like, how much do Texas and Oklahoma want to go to the SEC or does the SEC want them if it's only a 14 playoff? And you've and, and at that point, if you have all those teams plus Alabama, LSU and Georgia and Florida, like all in one conference, like how likely are you to get to the end of that with one or zero losses? Like it becomes <laughs> suddenly becomes less and less likely. And so it's interesting how this this sort of incentivizes things and kind of like it you know you're not afraid of adding mid-tier programs who might you know tack on losses you're might not afraid of playing more games against like elite teams with elite talent and it's it it definitely changes the way you look at a lot of these things yeah it, it would be interesting right and I mean, I know that there's been all this, you know, talk and conversation and, and all this about like oh well you know what if there's like a super league right and you know I mean to be honest, as somebody who covers, like, you know, obviously, as you guys know, the state of Texas, it's like, 
if you guys just kind of went off and did your own thing and let us all have fun outside of that, I'm okay with that, right? <laughs> like, who cares? You know, I mean, I, I don't think, uh, certainly for me, as, as like, like you guys mentioned, a Baylor guy, like, I don't... I'm not worried about Alabama week to week. Like, yeah, guess what? Alabama's better than Baylor. I'm not. I'm not that concerned about that, right? <laughs> and so I'm curious. You know, breaking I'm... news. <laughs> Whoa! I know. I know. It's it's brutal. But uh... this guy's sharp. Let me tell you. <laughs> but you know, at, at the same time, it's like, does that help change the conversation? Right? Like, I I've joked before. I mean, this is not something that's seriously happened. But like, I've joked, man. Let's just go back to the BCS and be like, okay, well. T- Two teams are all we have to worry about. And then we can just talk about other stuff, right? And I think that they have tried to address that with this 12-team stuff. But, like, you know, it's I, we can talk about other things, man. Like, it doesn't bother me that much. Like, like yeah, okay, you know, if going back to Baylor, right? Like, okay, Baylor makes $25 million instead of $45 million. Well, like, I don't get the check. I don't care. Like, I just want to watch, you know, teams that I like play. Yeah, I think it was I think it was actually and we were talking off air with Sam Khan. He he put a piece together about a month ago, probably that now feels like 100 years ago about <laughs> Arkansas's case to join the Big 12 again. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I, I thought was rather interesting. And now who knows if there's a conference yeah. to join? I, don't I, I believe that, that I believe that was David Oven. But, uh, oh, but was it? Yeah, but but Sam, of course, Sam and me talked about it a whole lot too. Because I mean, listen, right? Like, if if you're if you're Arkansas and all of a sudden Oklahoma and Texas are coming into the SEC West, like that's death. It, it's just over, right? Like, what's the point? You know, and and the answer will be, yeah, but we keep cashing those checks. And again, my answer comes back to, no, I'm not. <laughs> you guys can do that. You guys can can build the the best seventh place trophy you guys ever would dream of. But like, who cares? Yeah, it was David up and uh, good catch, but and the, the, both those guys are my boys. So I, you know, I got to, I, yeah, I, gotta I make like sure them both. <laughs> well, Arkansas can then become the catalyst to do what uh, we can proclaim, and the entire point of having you on this podcast is that we can get to our ultimate goal, which is to say that we can reform the Southwest Conference. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for for having me on, so that we could just we could have just started with that. To be it honest. was all building up to that. <laughs> Where do we sign? But, <laughs> man but yeah it's just I, I don't know i i understand the money aspect of it certainly you know if, if people pay me more money i do different things like i get that side of things but there is like an aspect of it that's like again if you are texas i'm not saying by any means a tax is gonna you know go six and six or anything but like they're not going to go 12 and 0 very often. You know, they're going to kind of have to, you, you think that you struggled in the big 12. Well, like now you're going to go to the sec West. I, I don't know about all that better than Kansas in the sec West. Is this what you're saying? Well, depends, uh, <laughs> depends who's coaching at Arkansas at the moment, but you know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I don't know. It's, Again, I certainly this is obviously just like me spitting out my random thoughts right now, but it's I don't know. It's just a weird deal. And, and you know, as somebody who's a huge college football fan, of course, like, I don't know, like, OK, I guess that's kind of my thoughts on all this. That's kind of that's the that's the perfect tagline for everything, I think, about everything that's happened. Media days and realignment stuff. OK, I guess. <laughs> can you can we play the games now? <laughs> Yeah, listen, I'm very excited about your TV deal to for Alabama-Miami, but you can catch me at that Rice-Western Kentucky game, man. Hey, put it on the calendar. <laughs> Let's do it. Some some Bailey Zappi, Luke McCaffrey, Conference USA. Man, if you would have told me that a year ago. I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs>
Oh man. Oh you're man. We've uh, we've kept you good long, and I know you're you're you've already spent the entire week talking, and then you spent an hour talking with us. So we appreciate it. Um, where where can we find you? Anything else we need to be? What's on docket for for you and 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 DCTF for the next couple weeks until we have, I guess, real football? Yeah, well, we are recording this on Wednesday, July 21st, so we'll have plenty coming from the second day of Conference USA Media Days, when obviously the four Texas schools will take part in that. We'll be doing some stuff live from Lone Star Conference Media Day just to show how much I don't care about paychecks. Uh, and <laughs> then, then, then I'll be out. Uh, that's Division Two, by the way, for people who don't know offhand, which is totally fair. And then I'll be down at WAC Media Days the next Thursday. So listen, man, I I don't care. I'll I do whatever I want, man. I I if something things fun i love to talk about it and so but anyway i, I do have a story up right now on Bijan robinson speaking of those big money programs and i'm working on a couple of other things too over at textfootball.com and uh listen if, if you like our stuff please become a subscriber textfootball.com slash subscribe i promise i'm not usually this delirious on podcasts hey no a lone star conference uh home of former rice football coach david bailiff at uh yes. at commerce oh yep. man and, and he's the rice best tie. he's the best oh yeah he's great well, I, I, I feel like you fit in exactly with our usual level of delirium, so I don't know what that says about us. But <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys do a fantastic job. That, that Conference USA uh, preview, by the way, for anybody listening, I'm sure, if, I'm sure if you listen to the podcast, you've already bought it, but make sure and get that. It, it really is very good. And we didn't even have to pay him to say that. No. Yeah. <laughs> You can, but you didn't. <laughs> you can. I accept checks, just like Baylor. <laughs> no comment on that one. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh well, man. all right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to Shahan for jumping on with us again. Um, we, we had a blast. We hope you all are enjoying it, too. Uh, the season draws ever closer. And Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.